Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for August the 14th of 2020. And we are going to be following up yesterday's episode of the Jam Pack Report covering the Fortnite ban on the Apple App Store with another episode on the ban on the Google Play Store. Of course, this isn't all we're talking about, but this is still one of the biggest stories of the entire year. But for those that don't know, Fortnite is now essentially unavailable directly on most of your major app stores online. But you can still install it directly from Epic if you do have an Android device. Following its removal from the Apple App Store, Fortnite has also been kicked off of the Google Play Store for Android. Earlier today, Epic Games snuck in an update for both the iPhone and Android versions of the game that allowed users to pay Epic directly for in-app purchases instead of using the officially sanctioned system on both platforms. What followed was a wild ride. Apple kicked Fortnite off of the App Store, then Epic sued Apple, and finally there was an in-game video parodying Apple's own 1984 commercial, positioning Apple itself as the monopolist. Now, Google is in the conversation. As with Apple, Google requires that games use the Google Play system for in-app purchases. Although the Play Store's rules are somewhat more lax than Apple's when it comes to in-app purchases, Google does draw the line at games. It is quite clear-cut, saying, quote, Developers offering products within a game downloaded on Google Play or providing access to game content must use Google Play in-app billing as the method of payment. Google's system takes a 30% cut, just as Apple's does. Epic's update earlier today ran afoul of that rule, and while Google took longer to make a decision to ban Fortnite over it than Apple, both companies reached the same conclusion. Here's Google's statement. The open Android ecosystem lets developers distribute apps through multiple app stores. For game developers who choose to use the Play Store, we have consistent policies that are fair to developers and keep the store safe for users. While Fortnite remains available on Android, we can no longer make it available on Play because it violates our policies. However, we welcome the opportunity to continue our discussions with Epic and bring Fortnite back to Google Play. A Google spokesperson emphasized to The Verge that Android is an open ecosystem that allows multiple stores and that Google Play's policies need to apply equally to all developers. It has no problem with those other stores existing nor with Epic's distributing its game on them, the spokesperson said. Now, you can still install Fortnite on Android. Epic itself points visitors to its website where they can either download Fortnite through the Epic Games app or via the Samsung Galaxy Store on Samsung devices. This is different from iPhone and iPad where it is now impossible to install the game if you had not already done so, and The Verge goes on to tell you more about the entire debacle that we've had going on. If you are new to the story, I would encourage you to check out yesterday's episode of the Jam Pack Report. We got very into it. But it is good to at least see Epic being consistent, because Google is certainly still at fault here, even if they are not as at fault as somebody like Apple. Uh, and so the battle continues. As I said yesterday, I totally understand both sides of the coin, because on the side of Google and Apple, you have these stores that are privately owned and operated in a way, uh, and these are not uh, free and open places. These people can run them how they want. The companies that own these marketplaces are able to do with them what they will. And so if they choose to not have Epic's game on its store, or if they choose to implement a specific set of rules, uh, they are free to do so. That's just simply how it works. Now, that's not to say that I support the sentiment here. I certainly do believe uh, that a 30% cut is a bit much. Uh, but at the same time, as many have pointed out on Twitter, we're still talking about multiple billion dollar corporations. So at the end of the day, is there really an underdog in this situation or a loser? Not really. It's just a lot of greedy companies wanting more money than the other. But that's just the way that I see it. 
Now, regardless of how you break it down, it certainly is interesting to see this kind of revolution beginning to happen uh, because Microsoft has been given the short end of the stick with Project xCloud. Google itself is having difficulties on Apple's App Store, so that's another problem between Google and Apple. Uh, then you have Apple, of course, fighting back and trying to defend its own marketplace, and there are so many other examples of this battle continuing to rage on. Uh, so there is no end in sight as for right now, but for those that are playing Fortnite on mobile devices, hopefully Epic does not update it too soon, otherwise you are going to be stuck with more than likely a bricked copy of the game. But we now know more information about what is coming later this month from the teams at WB Games Montreal and Rocksteady because there are going to be some big reveals on August the 22nd, and now we know what time. DC Fandom takes place later this month, and we will finally get a look at WB Games Montreal and Rocksteady's new titles. First up is the new title from WB Games Montreal, which according to many accounts is teasing a new Batman game. The panel will take place Saturday, August 22nd at 1.30pm Eastern Time. And next up will be the reveal of Rocksteady's Suicide Squad Killed Justice League. This reveal will take place the same day, August 22nd at 8pm Eastern Time. WB Games Montreal's Batman game is said to be a soft reboot of the Arkham series and is connected to the Court of Owls. The game reportedly features co-op, a playable Bat family, and will kick off its own universe within DC. Reportedly, the game will be released this fall and will be made available for current and next-gen consoles, and we will find out more later this month. So I did want to mention this because this is massive. The name has been confirmed, so we now know it is actually called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That is the new game coming from Rocksteady, uh, but the details surrounding WB Games Montreal's title still up in the air. Uh, we don't know that much, but again, there is a lot of speculation uh, that this could be a very big game with multiple playable characters, and at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out what kind of game it is. Now, when I hear about the project that is being worked on uh, with Suicide Squad specifically, and also in a way with WB Games title, will this in some way compete with the games as a service model of Marvel's Avengers? Because that is something that is certainly already making waves, and because of the fandom of the Marvel Universe, it's probably going to do fairly well. So will DC try to replicate that with one of these titles? Probably the Suicide Squad game seems to be the most likely. Uh, that is still yet to be seen. But we will know more on August the 22nd when we get a full reveal during the DC Fandom event. Now, we got a lot of information in regards to sales today, but Resident Evil 7 is now the series' top seller. As is custom, after each quarterly earnings reveal, Capcom has provided updated sales figures for all of its best-selling games. Unsurprisingly, Monster Hunter World has retained its top spot, having now sold 16.1 million copies, tallying the main game only on PC, PS4, and Xbox One, both physically and digitally. Iceborne is now its own, excuse me, Iceborne on its own has shifted a respectable 5.8 million units. Resident Evil 7 lands at number 2 with 7.9 million lifetime sales. RE7 is now the best-selling title in the history of the series, followed closely by Resident Evil 5, which has now sold 7.7, and Resident Evil 6 with 7.6. Resident Evil 2 Remake continues its impressive streak, having now sold over 7.2 million copies in less than two years. If it continues to sell that well, it will easily overtake the other top sellers in due course. Not on the top 10 is Resident Evil 3 Remake, which has not sold very well. Not that sales figures surprised Capcom. 
As part of the same earnings call, Capcom revealed that it's closely monitoring industry trends on the subject of potentially increasing game prices on PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Uh, so, Resident Evil 7, one that I have not played but that is on sale currently on the Xbox Marketplace, uh, is one that certainly is deserving of the title it's receiving as the top seller. Uh, for those that don't follow the game closely, essentially this broke a lot of the molds that had been holding the Resident Evil franchise back for a number of years. And so 7 is, from what I have heard, a phenomenal title, one of the industry's best horror games, uh, and one that I still need to check out, so I might dive into that one at some point in the future. Uh, but Monster Hunter World continues to dominate, even all of these months and years later. But let's go ahead and dive into the July 2020 NPD reports, because Paper Mario and Ghost of Tsushima are absolutely killing it. Consumers are still turning to video games for their entertainment in the U.S., while hardware sales have come back to earth after peaking a sharply, excuse me, peaking sharply during the early parts of the pandemic. Game content helped push total spending to $3.6 billion during July, according to industry tracking firm the NPD Group. So here's how it breaks down. Total video game sales totaled $3.587 billion, a 32% change year over year. Video game hardware totaled $166 million, down 2%. Video game content overall, which includes full games, DLC, MTX, and subscription consumer spending across console, cloud, mobile, portable, PC, and VR platforms, was up 34% to $3.251 billion. And video game accessories rose 34% year over year to $170 million for the month of July. Did you hear that? Bit my tongue there. That hurt a good bit. Uh, but this is also the first month that the MPD is sharing a new metric called video game content. Where the company previously only publicly shared full game software sales, it is now combining that with the spending on microtransactions, downloadable content, subscriptions, and more. They say, quote, Consumer spending across video game hardware, content, and accessories totaled $3.6 billion in July 2020, increasing 32% when compared to one year ago. MPD analyst Matt Piscatella said, Double-digit percentage spending gains in accessories, subscription, mobile, and both digital full game as well as post-launch spending on consoles and PC offset a slight decline in hardware. In short, it is what we expect. Hardware falls, software rises, the pandemic is continuing to push game sales. So let's talk about the biggest games of the month. Number one, Ghost of Tsushima. Number two, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number three, Paper Mario the Origami King. Number four, The Last of Us Part Two. Five, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Six, Ring Fit Adventure. Seven, Mortal Kombat 11. Eight, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Nine, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And ten, Sword Art Online. Alakization like Horus? Oh my goodness, I don't know what that one is. Uh, but of course, the list goes down from there. Notably, Marvel. Spider-Man at 18, down below, need for speed, heat. Okay. Uh, but regardless, that is your top 10 at the very least. Now, what's very interesting is something that Benji Sales pointed out on Twitter. Uh, you have one, two, three, four, five Nintendo titles in the top 10 for the month. Many of these are older, some are launch games. On top of that, when it comes to just console exclusives, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of 10 of these titles are console exclusives. 
That's a major deal. That shows the power of exclusives because they continue to sell incredibly well. And I think it's very shocking to see that Paper Mario the Origami King is as high up on the chart as it is. Uh, but of course, the big winner of the month is Ghost of Tsushima, which is PlayStation's fourth biggest Sony launch in history. And this report comes to us from Forbes.com. Ghost of Tsushima just keeps impressing as one of the biggest breakout hits of the year. MPD numbers are in, and it is the best-selling game of July in the U.S., beating out even Call of Duty across three platforms when it's only on one. But past that, MPD notes that Ghost of Tsushima is actually the fourth biggest launch in Sony publishing history for its fourth month. Uh, first month, excuse me, pretty stunning for a totally new IP, or one not tied to an existing famous character like Spider-Man. I'm not sure what the other three are, but my guess is something like God of War, Last of Us, and Spider-Man. Ghost of Tsushima has done extremely well outside of the US, in particular Japan, where the game is set, and it is about to become the biggest PS4 release for the console generation over there, and it is bound to sail past Spider-Man despite being out for only a little while, at least in Japan. MPD also notes that Ghost of Tsushima is the fifth best-selling video game of the year already, and that's five months of sales data still to go, as well as whatever enhancements we might see with PlayStation 5, as it could be a powerful draw for the new system given its visuals. Improvements to frame rate and load times are really all that game needs, and PS5 can obviously offer both, even if Tsushima does not release a fully new remastered version of the game for the new console. It is also Sucker Punch's biggest launch ever, which should be obvious, given that the last highest for them was Infamous Second Son. But the author says, I think Tsushima has instantly elevated them in Sony's dev roster, pretty much exactly how Horizon Zero Dawn raised Gorilla's profile. But Tsushima is an even bigger hit than that game, and this turning into a franchise seems inevitable now, even if a new PS5 sequel is going to be years away. Of course, the author goes on, but congrats to Sucker Punch for continually killing it, uh, because Ghost of Tsushima is certainly one to behold. It is going to be a massive PlayStation game that goes down in history as a game that absolutely was the, uh, the cherry on top for a very good generation. Uh, a lot of people had talked about the order of operations for the release of these spring games. Uh, you had The Last of Us Part Two coming out in June. You had Ghost of Tsushima in July. Was one going to step on the other's toes? You thought that it might, but it turns out that it didn't. And, of course, they are continually uh, singing its praises over there in the gaming space. Now, this is one that I admittedly have not gotten into. I'm not really in the mood for Ghost of Tsushima right now, uh, but I am excited to see how it continues to grow and evolve as the year goes on. And finally, to round out today's show, Grand Theft Auto veteran DJ Laszlo Jones has left Rockstar. Throughout eight Grand Theft Auto games and across two decades, the voice of radio DJ Laszlo Jones has been a constant. This week, however, it has been revealed the owner of that voice is now departed developer Rockstar Games. Laszlo Jones, the fictional DJ, is played in real life by Laszlo Jones, a non-fictional writer and producer on the GTA series. Both Jones have been series stalwarts from Grand Theft Auto 3 onward and have worked on Vice City, San Andreas, Vice City Stories, Liberty City Stories, episodes from Liberty City, GTA 4, and GTA 5. The real-life Jones left Rockstar in April 2020 after more than 19 years, according to GTA Men via PC Gamer. Writing this week in a heartfelt Instagram post, Jones revealed the reason for his departure, the sudden diagnosis of his sister with terminal cancer. 
Jones has been acting as primary caregiver since early this year, something only made tougher by the impact of the global pandemic. Quote, when the pandemic hit, it made the situation radically difficult and even more onerous in caring for someone with cancer, Jones wrote. But it exposed and strengthened a lot of solidarity among friends, family, and neighbors you used to barely speak to as people rallied to fight an unseen enemy, look after each other, and unite to get through an insanely stressful and challenging time. Journeys begin and end, and this one is nearing the end. Fortunately, I've had a lot of love and support from friends through this. Hopefully you can reach out and be kind to a friend or stranger as it makes all the difference in the world, as we don't know how long we'll be in it, end quote. Of course, there is a montage of everything Laszlo Jones has worked on in the Grand Theft Auto series, but of course, my heart goes out to Laszlo, and I hope the best for the sister and the family and everybody involved. Uh, very rough time, indeed. But with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about here today. But specifically, are you still upset about Fortnite and how do you feel about those Batman games? Those are the two questions I have for you. But until Sunday with a brand new episode of The Drop, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the weekend. I'll talk to you soon and peace.